Hello and welcome to the Late Night Latte on Latte Firm. It's Sunday, the 18th of February, and Arsenal are on a roll. Welcome to the show. We've got so much to talk about. We battered Burnley. What a great win after Liverpool won so emphatically at Brentford as well. And Manchester City, of course, dropping points in the late kickoff on the Saturday afternoon. The enemy up the road also lost at home to Wolves, which was very, very amusing for many of you, I know. Uh, so, yeah, lots to talk about. Great panellists as well. Uh, so get stuck in. If you're tuning in for the first time, please do subscribe to the channel. Lots of content like this and so much more to come uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, like the video as well. It's a massive help to the channel. So look, hundreds of you already watching across all platforms. Please press like. It's a massive help to the channel. And get involved in the chat. And that's where we're going to start today. Tamina Ahmed was first in. Hi, Latte Firm. How are you doing today? I am really well Tamina what a wonderful start to the year five wins on the bounce um I think our longest sort of winning streak uh, to any new calendar year so uh record-breaking Arsenal I'm feeling good I'm a little bit tired I was away at Burnley of course to the 16-hour round trip which I'll tell you all about as the show goes on Tamina's in very optimistic mood Arsenal will smash Newcastle 8-0 but we've got the Champions League in between Tamina how can you forget we're going to talk about that well she hasn't forgotten because she said we're going to push to win the Premier League and the Champions League Two. Um, Alpha Wolf also in the house. By the time the show starts, my snack will be gone and snack check will be no. There's always time to get more. Late night latte. I'm here. I'm waiting and I'm having a sugar rush. Yeah, we're going to do a very quick snack check today. Today is obviously the standard late night latte, the post-match review. I've been getting a lot of grief for like 10, 12, 15 minutes of snack check stuff on the chill sessions, but that's what they're about. V Vlad, hey FK, hey panel, hey chat. Uh, this might be just our best run of form under, under Arteta. We look unstoppable right now. We do. We look so, so good. Uncle Doris, evening all. What a difference a month makes. It's a great start to the calendar year, Uncle Doris. Richie Dubfellas in the house. Good evening. Uh, Emmanuel Durutolu says, looking forward to a good show. Thanks very much, Emmanuel. Enjoy, like, subscribe, all that sort of jazz. Paul James, evening. Good evening to you, Paul. Andy Normiles also here. Evening all. What a great time to be a gooner. Uh, Jasper. Uh, Vatanen, hopefully I've not destroyed your surname. Correct me if I'm wrong. Jasper, pretty sure it's my first time being here live. I'm excited. Well, welcome to you, Jasper. Appreciate that. Wayne is in the background. Let's bring him in. He says, hit that like button, my good people. Excited for the show. Another thumping win. Wayne, welcome to the Late Night Latte. How are you, my man? I'm good, man. First of all, welcome back from Burnley. I'm glad you made it back in, in one piece. I'm glad you made it back safe and sound. And I'm glad you managed to hit up Akbar's on the way on the way home. Mate, what a day. What a day. I mean, uh, do you know what? Let's bring Laura in as well. Let's bring it. I can't leave her in the background. Laura, <laughs> welcome to the Late Night Latte. It's so good to have you here. How are you? I'm good. I was going to say, am I going to miss out on this on this anecdote? But um, I'm all ears now, FK. <laughs> well, look, it's good to see you. I mean, look, listen, this is the situation. We did a 16-hour round trip. Myself, Wally, uh, a new friend, Louis, and Team News and Ticks, who many people will know on uh, on X. We drove up to Burnley, setting off in the morning, got there, pre-match sort of, you know, pleasantries, got to the ground. The weather was was good at that point. The game kicked off, fantastic atmosphere, got off to a, a, the perfect start, four or five minutes on the clock, one nil up, winning the game handsomely, fi you know, fine voice. Then came the storm, then the treacherous road conditions, trying to get back to our car, getting soaked, huddled into Wally's car. We drove into Birmingham, stopped off for, stopped off for an almighty Curry's at Akbar's, which is, of course, many people will know is my joint now, uh, joint of choice. Uh, fantastic Curry. Uh, Team News and Ticks' first time there, Louis' first time there, Wally's now becoming a regular. And after our bellies were full, we decided to head home and we did the post-match phone and we tried to do the post-match phone in, but signal and rain and whatnot didn't allow it to happen. Got home at around 1 a.m. 
exhausted had to do the quick reaction video but today yeah the day after an away day like that is is what i call endorphins so i've just been living on a on, on a high i've been dozing off on the sofa cheekily whilst the kids are playing um yeah mate it's been just a wonderful wonderful weekend it's what i live for and when you think about the logistics of going to an away game like you know burnley up in lancashire right 16 hours of your day you kind of it's a bit mad just for 90 minutes of football but I can't explain the addiction. Like, I know I'm really lucky and really privileged to be one of a very small population of people that get to go to these games. And I love it. I love it. And my voice obviously is is, is just about uh, sort of uh, recovering. And to Wayne's point, I am alive. I think when the fifth goal went in, I was so happy when Kai Havertz scored because it was a, a wonderful goal, like watching it live, you know, when he nutmegged the player. Fortunately, I guess, with hindsight, but when he nutmegged the player and smashed it in, I was on the floor and there were about six people on top of me. I think I broke a seat while he was convinced that my ACL and that I needed a stretcher. But, you know, I, I, got, I was like, come on. I was like, have you ever seen those Celtics, Celtic players or, or Celtic fans being like stretching off like after they've had like a heart attack in the ground, but yet they managed to put their arms up and they're like, yeah, I'm still here. Uh, yeah, I was just like, I'm still there. I couldn't feel my legs. The seat was broken, but it was just... Oh, it's magical. Just, ah, I love weekends like this. Anyway, how was your weekends? Good. Wayne, starting with you. I mean, I know you got baby duty, but did you enjoy the game? Yeah, it was fantastic. Obviously, we didn't have the luxury of traveling up to Burnley and and being in that cold and and wind and and rain. So, had to catch it through Gillette Soccer Saturday, I I suppose, is the best best way of saying that I watched it, maybe. Um, But no, it was a, a fantastic performance. Obviously, you go into the game kind of hoping Liverpool kick off before you. You hope they maybe drop some points, maybe give you a little bit more of excitement. And I know a few Arsenal fans were a bit, you, you mentioned uh, Walid included, who's obviously a good friend of the show, good friend of ours. Um, he was a little bit disappointed thinking that Brentford might have actually got something from Liverpool. But I think the way that we're playing and the way that we're handling our own business, that's the only thing that matters. And just the fact that we done our job, we absolutely battered Burnley left no sort of questions about anything and then you go on to a bit later and spurs lost which was absolutely deserved and your boy pedro neto done another madness for an assist and then you go on a little bit later and man city who everyone probably thinks are the favorites they drop points you start to you start to feel a little bit special and it would have been cherry on top of the cake if manchester united sort of gave us another good good sort of feeling today but they didn't but it's been a fantastic weekend nonetheless it really has. It wasn't meant to be at Luton, but what a game that was. But let's start with what you mentioned about Brentford. You know, so uh, just a quick shout out to Arsenal Granny, by the way. Hello, FK. First time live in a while. It's so good to see you watching again, Arsenal Granny. I love how we're playing. Lots of confidence. I hope you're in good health and I hope you've had a wonderful start to the year. Thanks so much for watching. We are going to do the snack check in just a second, but I want to get this straight off the bat. Um, Wally was so dejected, Laura, at kickoff. And I've I've known Wally now for years, right? We've been going to games together. He's one of the most um, passionate yet deluded. Uh, very, very, uh, you know, emotionally charged when it comes to Arsenal. Um, and he was so flat. Like Liverpool had just tonked Brentford by four goals to one. And I think he had gone into that game expecting Brentford to take something from them. And at kickoff, I just couldn't believe it. Like he was so like, like... No emotion on his face. He's just really quiet. And I was like, Wally, come on, wake up. Now, if that's the impact that that sort of result has on a fan, were you worried maybe that the impact that that would have on, on players? Because, you know, they're humans at the end of the day and 
they they would be well aware of the score that kind of ripples through to the dressing room and then all of a sudden there's more pressure and Burnley I know they're a they're you know they're they're abysmal really let's be honest but they're the sort of team that Arsenal have, have passed could maybe come up a, a cropper against what was your mood going into kickoff Laura and would that result have changed your sort of anticipation or optimism? Sure, I, I can kind of see why you might might have thought that Brentford might have helped us out a bit there. But actually, Brentford have not been good this season. It's not the same Brentford that you know we lost to two seasons ago. Like it, you know, they're not they're not as, as as good. So, you know, ultimately, all we can do is mind our own business. So the players are way too good to be affected by Liverpool winning at Brentford. Um, you know, you can hope, but Liverpool, I think. Uh, maybe will slip up, but away at Brentford was never going to be the one where they were going to do that. Um, you know, I think they, you know, they still got to play City. I think so. Ultimately, you know, you can you can pray, and we're all sat there hoping that you know some of these teams can do us a favour. But Brentford was never going to be it, so you know that's fine. And then ultimately, we we just got to trust how good we are, um, and we proved how good we are. And I was I was slightly nervous going into. Um, Going into game at Burnley, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're dross, let's be real. But, you know, they have caused us problems in in recent past. I feel like they won the Emirates a couple of seasons ago and they're always quite physical. Um, and in the past, that could have been seen as a bit of a potential banana skin for us. But we are just, we're just too good. We're just too good. Um, and as soon as that first goal went in, I was like, right, it's game over. I may as well go and do something, rest, you know, something else for the rest of my day. <laughs> Obviously, you know, following it on Gillette Soccer Saturday, like um, like course, everyone else. Course. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what can I say, man? Stadiums are empty everywhere we go. Stadiums are empty everywhere we go. Oh, what a day. Right, let's let's get Snack Check out the way because Kemper has asked that question and all the Snack Checks have been coming in. So Kemper is saying himself or herself, Skittles gummies. Not Not tried that. Uh, Randin Snorton says, what are you munching, boys? Uh, oh, Josh. FK, Mrs. Burns said, yes, we got engaged. Josh, Joshua, I'm so proud of you. Oh, congratulations. That is wonderful. Um, oh, that is wonderful. Mrs. Josh, thank you so much for watching as well. I know I know, Josh sort of ties you down and makes you watch this, but, you know, it is, <laughs> it is the way that it is. But congratulations. Uh, Yembele's in the chat says, my snack check is Jelly Tots, which is awesome. Have I missed them? Memo. Oh, what's going on? Jelly tots and skittles and gummies. Uh, what else is going on here? Lawrence, evening FK. I'm assembling some IKEA furniture whilst listening. Would appreciate a top episode, Chief. I will try my best, Lawrence. Right, what you got while I bring up some of the comments? Uh, Wayne, let's start with you. So I'm going down the route of sort of sweet things as well, very similar to Yem. So I have gone for some original Oreos. Ooh. Got a couple of them. And FK, I play 4D chess round here. I played 4D oh, chess, God. so obviously it was Valentine's Day a couple of days ago. <laughs> Lovely missus, does a good job at home, does a good job at work, does a good job with the family. Bought her gift, which included Ferrero Rocher, and I've taken one for myself. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I, you, you just knew that you'd be on the show, you're going to buy a gift for your missus, but you knew you needed it. Oh, I, love and I needed that I snack check. I've, I've saved it. <laughs> I could have had it four days ago, but I've saved it, especially for the... I love it. Emra saying four slices of bread with peanut butter, jam, and Philadelphia spread on all of them. Hang on, whoa, 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 wait. Philadelphia with peanut butter and jam, jam and cheese. We, I think we, we I need to know which 
which order this has gone in. Do we start with the Emma, Philadelphia and then yeah, the Jam? Yeah, you, this is, I've got, uh, I, we need some I, more info. I didn't want to turn it into a chill sesh, but it, it looks like it's going to go that way. You need to elaborate <laughs> further, Emra. I will put warnings in future as to when the football content starts, ladies and gents, boys and girls. <laughs> but this is serious stuff. Lots of people invest their interest. Jim, with a shout, sliding in at the back post. Dark chocolate Maltesers. I didn't even know they existed. Dark chocolate Maltesers. That, that sounds elite. Where, where, Jim, where are you? Where in the world are you? Uh, not that I was going to sort of come to your house and just sort of take your stash, <laughs> but like, is it a UK thing? Is this an overseas thing? I've never, never seen them. Yes, yeah, mate, them. I'm on it tomorrow. I'm I'm oh, very gosh. annoyed and disappointed that you've been getting slated about snack checks because if anyone knows anything about a latte firm, it's food first, <laughs> football second. Well, to be fair, <laughs> I think the people, I think the, <laughs> it is, you're right. I think the people who uh, love the football chat, obviously just want to get straight into the football chat. And we've done a couple of late night sort of sessions where we sort of you know, pre-match previews, like really chilled shows. How's your day? What have you been up to? Tell me about life. Let's do snack check. And we like we can go 15 minutes without talking about football, just like we have tonight, 13 minutes on the clock. Uh, look, get your snack checks in. Laura, uh, what have you got for us tonight, if anything? Um, this is the second show in a row that I've had a snack check and then eaten it ahead of us actually going live. So what I did have was, was a little, it? Um, it was a little chocolate chip brioche. So these are these are my Ooh. like kryptonite because they mm -hmm. come in a pack of eight and they're like yay big. And I just, I will eat them all in a day. So I've actually got through that entire pack in, in one day. Yeah. Wow. And shout out to my friend Letty. She found out that there were 24 Cadbury's mini eggs in a packet, in an 80 gram packet, because she ate all 24. Um, yep. That is some going. I I have to apologize because I know I said in the last couple of shows that I was going to try the concoction that is salt and vinegar crisps with chocolate mousse. Uh, that's been shouted out, you know, have it together sort of, you know, but yeah, Wayne, I know it sounds audacious, but it's been mentioned so many times that I just need to try it. Uh, Randon saying he's having a cup of tea now or with a few biscuits. Um, I, I couldn't find a uh, pork free chocolate mousse. I, I understand M&S chocolate mousse is vegetarian, so I'm going to head there this week i will get my salt and vinegar crisps which i'm not too keen on and we will try that but for tonight i have what is a classic star bar have you ever had a star bar laura what is that oh let me tell you my friend <laughs> what is let that? me I, tell I, you i've opened a can of worms i, I, I make no apologies for, for dragging on and on about this right there are hundreds of you watching i might even lose some subscribers but i'm going to go for it anyway there is a follower who i really love and his name is flanny balls um he is on X, uh, uh, and he once uh, sort of recommended that I try eating a star bar, and I sort of sort of said that yeah, I've never tried, I've never even heard of it. Like, what what is this uh, magical chocolate bar made by Cadbury? Who oh, I've never heard of. Um, so I've gone down to the, to the local Tesco's, not there. Gone to Waitrose, not there. Gone to you know all the other supermarkets. Ended up going to my local newsagent, and of course it's there, sixty nine p bar. The <laughs> best way to describe it, right, is it's like a cad. An upper class version of it oh. like i i i in fact flanny challenged me to live stream it and i did so on twitter and it's like it was viewed over fifty thousand times or something ridiculous like that i'm gonna find it on my timeline i'm gonna share it but it is the Please most extraordinary chocolate bar there's uh caramel there's nuts there's obviously chocolate there's oh just all the goodness all the goodness i'm gonna tuck into that uh, right 
Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you for all the chat coming in. If you've just tuned in, uh, you haven't missed any of the football. We're just talking snack check. Please do like the video, subscribe to the channel. Of course, everybody welcome on X as well. Very grateful for you guys watching. Let's do what we normally do. Start by sharing the team news from Saturday. So look, the Gunners battered Burnley. What a great headline that is. As you can see, courtesy of Arsenal.com, Wayne. The, oh, can you guys see that? No, <clears> we can't. Interesting. Right. Let's let's try this again. What has <laughs> happened here? The snack check is completely messed with uh, just messed with the uh, stream yard. Right. One second. Let's do this again. So share the window. Has the laptop been fed? FK? I don't, I mean, I don't know. Hey, there is. There Can I see that now? Yeah. Right. Excellent. So uh, unchanged for, uh, uh, you know, on a, on a rare occasion, David Ryer and goal, who I've got to say is looking so much calmer, more composed week by week and he is absolutely now i think clear and the reason why i say that i mean he's obviously been arteta's clear number one i've said over the last few weeks months that i've just not seen the tangible difference but i understand it now i think he's his collections are clean uh he's claiming crosses even though he's not the most sort of tallest player distributing the ball very quickly art de roche did a piece with the athletic talking about how david ryer is now one of our key components to attacking like you know triggering our counter attacks the long ball distribution Phenomenal. Um, ben White, who's playing a bit more of an inverted role. Uh, that's keeping opposition on their toes. Uh, ben White's been fantastic since the Dubai break. Saliba and Gabriel, of course, and Kivior. The more I see of him at left back, the more I like. We'll explain that uh, why in just a in a moment. Declan Rice, of course, in midfield with Havertz and Odegaard, Saka Martinelli out wide, and Leo Trossard up top. The bench um, a little bit bare, but you know, good to see Emil Smith throw back into the into the mix. So Ramsdale, Cedric, who came on, who's come on now a couple of times in a couple of weeks, I'm sure that's made Wayne very happy. Uh, Sweet Bandera, two youngsters, Elneny, Jorginho, Nelson, Smithrow, and Eddie Nketiah. Uh, Wayne, when the team news was announced, unchanged. Um, I mean, you must have been optimistic. You must have been confident about putting in a good performance against Burnley. Yeah, absolutely. After what we've done against West Ham, it wasn't really any doubt in my mind that we would go unchanged i think everyone deserved to start everyone deserved the amount of minutes that they got i think the bigger question for me was just how many players would come back into the bench and given that we've got champions league in midweek and now the fixtures are, are ramping up quite a bit i think it would have been nice if we got the opportunity to give jesus 10 15 minutes it would have been nice to give tom yasu 10 15 minutes but it wasn't meant to be in terms of our starting 11 no yeah no complaints whatsoever i think we need to probably freshen things up looking forward with the Champions League and, and then with Newcastle next weekend. But just take advantage of the, the weekly sort of schedule that we've had so far. Keep keep all of the informed players in the starting eleven. Keep them doing what they're doing. And, and at the moment, it's all clicking. This sort of double 10 or rotation of false nine between Trossard and Havertz is, is working a real dream. Martin Erdegaard is floating around like a prime... I don't even know what midfielder you could... I, I compared him, I think, on the last time I was on Late Night Latte to David Silva and the way that David Silva played at some of his best for Manchester City. Someone who is so technically gifted, so creative and, and so underrated. If, if Kevin De Bruyne wasn't playing in Manchester City, I think it would be universally accepted that Erdegaard is the best midfielder in the Premier League. And that's just the level he's playing at right now. And you said someone like Kivior stepped in, a load of questions asked about whether he can invert, whether he can whether he can do some of the things that Zinchenko does. But like you said, Ben White is now kind of doing that job. We don't need Kivior to do that. Kind of do what you're good at, which is defending and defending really, really well. And then he gave us even gave us an assist with like a prime Kieran Tierney at, at some point. 
during that that Burnley game. So yeah, no surprises with that starting eleven, and I was really happy to see Emil Smith Rowe get a good fifteen minutes as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, when the team news was announced to me, I I was expecting maybe Zinchenko to come back into the team, maybe get a cameo from Jesus, but they weren't even in the squad. And then when it was un, uh, unchanged, I thought, no, I'm quite calm with that. You know, Kivior has played really well. I like Kivior because he, he's just a more traditional orthodox left back. Like he doesn't try and tuck in. He did try and tuck in away at Fulham, if you remember. And that was a disaster. You know, players were, if you watch the game back, players were sort of avoiding passing to him because they thought that he was in trouble. But now that Ben White can do it, and we know that Jurian Timber can do it, that, I guess, tactical versatility is a real weapon for Mikel because the opposition team aren't going to know who's going to do it and when. Look, we're going to talk about individual performances shortly. Um, Laura, it was really important to get off to a really strong start uh, because West Ham, you know, we, we pummeled them, 6-0, great day out, all that sort of stuff. It, there was a, And that was our you know, largest Premier League away win that we've ever recorded. But it was important just to kind of carry on business as normal, and we did. And Martin Erdegaard got us off the mark. What did you make of the start? Exactly what we needed, basically. Um, I think where we have struggled at these slightly tricky places in the past is we've kind of we've let them rattle us a bit, and, and you know they're really up for it. They know that they can get at us because we're you know fragile. This Arsenal team is totally different. Um, they are, I think, you know, they can just sense when they are the better team. Um, and that goal from, you know, Odegaard's not scored for a few games. It's a quite, it's quite a nice cutback from Marcelli, although I think he's he's not been credited the assist there because he's some deflection, whatever. Um, a really, really strong start. I think um, after the goal, I think they had a shot on target um, get, that David Raya saved. And FK, what you were saying earlier about David Raya, for me, that is one that Ramsdale would have let in where we're clearly on top. They've had one chance um, and that, you know, small lapse in, in concentration. Um, but David Raya makes a good save. Any jeopardy goes out the, goes out the window and we just crack on. Um, I, I can't remember a game since last week uh, where we have been that dominant so early on. Um, and it really just, it kind of felt like I'm just waiting for the next Arsenal goal. One thing I will say is that the match of the day commentator is watching last night um, described Odegaard's goal as breaking the deadlock. And I thought to myself, you can't break the deadlock four minutes in. There's no deadlock here. We've we've barely been playing. Um, but you know, it did it did kind of feel like, yeah, there it is, and off we go. Like business business is resumed. But the more that we do this, the more that we start really fast and we blow teams away in the first 10, 15 minutes, great. It means that we can give players rest. Obviously, he made lots of changes in that second half. Off we go. The confidence is there. Brilliant start. I, you know, you're so right, because the first half of last season, I thought we were doing that really well. Like We came out, we flew out the blocks, and we were just so dominant in games. And to your point, yeah, not necessarily breaking the deadlock, but I think there was an air of inevitability about our goal. Like, it was just that, you know, game kicked off. We took possession straight away and we just stamped our authority on it. We played such a high line. We pushed Brent, uh, Burnley in, into their own half, deep into their own half. And we kind of just looked at each other and thought, right, it's a matter of time. And th at that point, it goes one of two ways. You either just start knocking on the door and the keeper has the game of his life and you know it takes forever and ever and ever. And then the opposition team get like a set piece or a, well, yeah, then, then they get the momentum through, a, through a, you know, the crowd sort of getting on their feet. But once we got the first one, there was no doubt. I mean, Wayne, looking at the stats here, courtesy of PremierLeague.com, we bossed possession, you know, 65% to 35% for Burnley. We had seven shots on target. 
All right. And we scored five goals. How many times have we been on these shows in the post-match phone-ins, like 20, 25, 30 shots on target and not even scoring, you know, the West Ham game defeat that we had uh, at the Emirates uh, earlier this year was, was, was an example of that 16 shots in total, um, you know, double the number of passes, double the number of touches. Um, I mean, it was, it was a very dominant performance, like Laura said, right, Wayne, it was just a continuation of where we were at the London stadium last week. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a continuation of where we've been since we landed back from our winter training. And it's, it's just been a development. Probably, It's probably been noticeable, obviously, since the Liverpool game, simply because the Liverpool game was just so, so important for our season and so, so important for our fan base. But just the way we came back with the impetus and with the attacking intent at Crystal Palace, I think that it's been just... That really kickstarted this part of the season. And you can say it's the second half of it or the home stretch, whatever you want to refer it to. But we've really kicked into gear at the right time. And we're a lot more fluid now. People aren't sort of restricted to certain areas at times when we had that bad stretch post sort of Liverpool and and with West Ham and with the Fulham game, like you mentioned a little bit earlier. It, it all, everyone seems to be confident now. Everyone seems to be sort of floating around the pitch and picking up zones and picking up areas of the box that you didn't see them do sort of over the, the, the New Year's break. And all of those stats, the shots on target, sort of the touches, the shots on goal in general, those, those don't even include sort of the, if you want to call them half chances or the whiffs of the ball that Trossard had, particularly in the first half, there's an opportunity that you should absolutely bury from 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 the Saka cutback. That's a glorious chance. And we could have racked up another three, four goals with situations like that. When Martinelli's done sort of a cheeky overhead kick while on the floor assist, which Trossard doesn't get connection on onto as well. When you had Saka break into the box and you cut across the he, he, he kind of cuts it across, but it's blocked when it's going through to Havertz. That's another kind of half chance. And we're just creating this now. It doesn't look too structured. Our, whereas earlier on in the season at times, our attack looked very, very rigid and very, very structured. Everyone's now sort of flying and in top form and it's brilliant to see. It really is brilliant to see. Aaron in the chat just saying Starbar is a niche choice. But the sign of a distinguished palette, uh, you know it, you know it, my friend. And uh, we've had a comeback from Matthew who says jam and cheese works, especially when toasted. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I need to add this to the list of things to try. You know, the salt and vinegar crisp with chocolate mousse and Philadelphia jam and peanut butter on toast. Uh, Matt G says Starbar, absolute classic. Thanks very much. So oh, a lot of love for the Starbars. Uh, Cadbury, if you're watching, I'm open to a uh, corporate partnership. Just let me know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Laura, let's bring you back in. Uh, the game continues after going 1-0 up. We were knocking on the door. We were comfortable. Uh, we were, you know, controlling the game. And it was just beginning to edge towards halftime where I turned to Wally and, and, and a couple of others and sort of said, this is the sort of game. It seems to have just sort of dragged on. And if, if Burnley get one of those sort of set pieces and they get a goal out of nothing and the crowd are going to get up on us and this is a horrendous time, then all of a sudden we win a penalty. And Erdegaard holds on to the ball. I'm thinking, oh, Erdegaard, he fancies himself for a hat-trick today. But he passed it to Bukayo Saka. Who else? And Saka scored just before halftime. Great time to score. And a great way for Bukayo to just keep notching up the goals. I mean, what an impressive season he's having. Yeah, I am... Um... I don't know about you guys, but I think the penalty is, 
maybe a little soft. I've watched it quite a few times. Um, yeah. but, you know, there there is contact, but ultimately you lunge in there, like go like that. You know, you're, you're kind of asking for trouble. I also thought Odegaard was going to take it um, because he was kind of standing there next to Saka. Um, but you know, if Saka's our penalty taker now, brilliant. And and I think it's hard to kind of overstate how difficult it must have been to have experienced what he did during the Euros and then come back and has scored. I think by the West Ham one, and you know, lots of penalties for Arsenal. He looks really confident. Did have a slight gasp when he uh, hit it because obviously the goalie went the right way. Um, but it did, you know, it, he's kind of, he's hit it hard enough. The goalie's hesitated. But after that, it really was just like, right, you know, it, it is going to be a procession now. Um, but you're right. There were, there was probably a couple of moments there where he thought, you know, are we going to let them get back in here? But as I said before, we're just, we're just too good now. We're just, we're just, we are, we are a better team mentally, technically. We are so tight at the back. I think Kimi all did a really good job after Saliba, I think it's kind of made a little bit of a mess of something and Kiwi just came came across, mocked it up. Um, and it's really, it's quite a strange sensation watching Arsenal, just knowing we're not going to concede, especially against a team as poor as Burnley. You know, set pieces aside, it, you know, it, it, it just felt really, really comfortable. It did. It felt very comfortable. We go 2-0 in, Wayne, half-time, very comfortable, come out second half and literally within minutes, Bukayo Saka within like 90 seconds. Scores again, this time right foot, his 10th right-footed goal in the league. And it shows a lot about the variety of goal that Bukayo Saka scored. But what a finish, smashing it into the roof of the net. Yeah, it's crazy to think that someone left-footed and someone who has been questioned about his finishing for a couple of seasons now, from whether it's within our own fan base or, or rival fans, is making a right-footed rifle into the roof of the net a trademark. Like you think of trademark finishes and, and for Saka, He's doing it so often and so regular that you kind of now trust him to do it in any game he gets the opportunity to. And I'm glad that he's trusted himself on that right foot because there's been opportunities at times this season where it looks like he second-guessed it or he's cut back onto the left and, and maybe laid it off. But he's just got the ability. Like somebody said in the chat, he's Starboy for a reason. He can hit him left. He can hit it right. He can assist. He can dribble at defenders. He's just fantastic. And yeah, it's a brilliant goal. And I think the key... The key part for this, for me, FK, is just the timing of all of our goals. It could have become a really frustrating afternoon if we didn't score in the fourth minute, even though I expected us to go on and beat Burnley. I didn't necessarily expect us to win 5-0, but the longer it goes on, the more frustrated, the more jittery you get, regardless of how good you are as a team, because we know what's on the line. We know what can happen. Burnley could have hit us on the counter. Like Laura said, it could have been a set piece. And like we've seen before, it's happened in, in regular Arsenal history. But we scored in the fourth minute. Then to score just before halftime, it means that no matter what, they can't really get ahead of steam, come out and, and equalise and then sit back to hold on for a point. And then straight after, straight after kickoff in, in the second half, just to put the game to bed, everything after that was a procession. And I do want to say, Martin, the, the finish was fantastic. The assist by Martin Odegaard was fantastic. Oh. But the build-up... Oh to the goal and the layoff and control by Kai Havertz was sensational as well. And I think that Kai Havertz has had a hand in all five of the goals. And it, it, it to me, look, Erdegaard gets a lot of love and I know he was your man as a match, FK. But Havertz was mine. I thought he was absolutely sensational. I thought it was his best game um, in an Arsenal shirt against Burnley. Who was your man of the match, by the way, Laura, just while we're on the topic of men of the match? Um, 
you know, so, no, I'm going to say it. I think Trossard should get a lot of credit for how he basically continued and was so desperate to get a goal. Um, I think, you know, he spurned a couple of chances throughout throughout the um, throughout the game. He had that one early on where I think he was offside anyway. Um, he had that one from, you know, where Marcelli was fallen over in the box and he, he kind of poked it wide. I think he had a really good game. I think in his reaction to the goal, you can see how kind of desperate he was for it. So I don't know if he's man of the match, but I think he deserves a, a significant shout out for persistence um, and just the kind of movement that he does and how he plays with with habits, I think really was, was what kind of unlocked all that space for us. Um, and yeah, I just, I was, I was happy for him to get that goal at the end because he'd been clearly been desperate for it all game. That's a good shout. And we're going to talk about Trossard and Havertz. So if you don't mind, let's let's sort of hold that thought and, and elaborate on that in a couple of slides time. I will add that Leo Trossard for me has had, I think he had a bit of a tricky first half to the season in that he wasn't getting a fluid run of games. It was very stop start and he wasn't quite having the impact. Then we've come back from the break and, and come into this new year and he's He's played very different roles in a short sample of games. Yeah, the Nottingham Forest games brings to mind. He came on as a sub, and that was to kind of just draw out the possession, draw out the get, see out the game. And he, he found, you know, he was holding onto the ball, close ball control, running into intelligent spaces, did all of that stuff. Then, of course, the cameo against Liverpool, um, you know, the goal against Liverpool. And he's coming on now, and he's making a difference. And he started at West Ham, started on Saturday again at Burnley. And he's he's just doing bits, and I'm really pleased for him. And if he can sustain this level of form and this level of output, maybe there's a conversation to be had about Gabby Jesus. Like, does he just you know does he automatically kind of lose his place? But you're right, Laura. You got the fourth goal. Um, the ball kind of came across the box. A bit of a ricochet, I think, came off Havertz and and the Burnley defender, but it fell to him, and he's he's tucked it away in the bottom corner. We did then make it five. Lots of love in the chat for Kai Havertz, and it was a great goal, and it was an unusual goal because it came from a throw in. Kai Havertz has got a lot to do. Like, you know, so the Arsenal fans at the Burnley ground are behind the goal and to the very right-hand side. So as the throne is taken in front of us, they're running towards us. And Kai Havertz is very far out wide. He's kind of knocked the ball in towards the box. He's very fortuitously sort of nutmegged a defender. I'll give it to him as intentional. And the goal sort of just opened up, right foot, touch. What a finish. And, you know, he sent the Arsenal fans absolutely bananas. Both of you, your thoughts on on Kai Havertz uh, as well. I mean, you've just said, Wayne, you thought it was his best game. Is this now the level of output quality that you're expecting? I wouldn't say I expect it because look, I think we've seen during his time in England just how inconsistent he's going to be. And I, I expect him to remain inconsistent throughout his time at Arsenal. He's just that kind of player. But when he's full on confidence... He's a really beautiful player to watch sometimes. Like some of his touches, some of his layoffs, some of his passing can be brilliant. And I want him to do it more. I want him to do it more, but it's as though he doesn't believe himself. It's that Chelsea PTSD. And I don't blame him because the situation that he came from, from Chelsea, wasn't the best. And the start at, at Arsenal certainly wasn't the best either, obviously. It took until the penalty for him to maybe kind of start feeling himself. But I hope that this sort of rotation with Trossard and the link-up he's starting to develop with Martin Erdegaard especially really kind of leads him to flourish. And I think he's found a little bit of a niche now in our in our system. Whether he's playing as that nine, he's a lot more physical than people give him credit for. Like, he likes the tussle. He likes the fight. And we've said at times during the season that we want that alternative striker. 
And we want someone that can maybe get into a bit of a tussle and be a, tr a traditional nine sometimes. And Kai Havertz can do that. Look, he can't score the goals that we probably want from a traditional nine, but he can do all of the other bits and he's got attributes that will really help us in the running. And I think just one thing on the goal, first of all, FK was absolutely intentional. He he's up he's done the defender there. Like he's completely done the well, defender. The nutmeg. One. The nutmeg. Absolutely yeah, intentional. Late, or he says exactly the same. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Of course the nutmeg was intentional. Yeah, it's, it's there's no doubt about it in my mind. But I think two things on it is first of all, it's not the first time we've scored from a quick throw in. I think it's something we work on in training. And it's something that the set-piece coaches, it's something that Mikel Arteta has noticed. If you remember the Nottingham Forest goal, Gabriel Jesus done very, very similar. Zinchenko with a quick throw-in. I think there was another one uh, against Luton earlier on Luton, in the season. Yeah. Ben, yeah, Ben White with a quick throw-in. And we've scored quickly from that as well. It's something that we've done quite a lot this season. So it's something, obviously, to look forward to throughout the rest of this year. But just on Kai Havertz, finally, I think that he gets a lot more stick because he came from Chelsea. I think he would be given a little bit more grace if we signed him from Germany or if we signed him from somewhere else. But because the signings that we've made from Chelsea haven't necessarily gone to plan in the past, I think there's a little bit more stick handed to him. I don't think he's been exceptional by any means this season, but he's really starting to develop now at the right time this season. We're going to talk about the Havertz and Trossard partnership in a couple of slides time. So let's move on to the next one. And by the way, there are hundreds of you watching on YouTube alone. Please do like the video. It's a massive help to the channel. And if you're new around here, please do subscribe. Lots of content like this to come in the next few months as we reach the exciting end of the season. Um, well, let's talk about those two. Uh, this image is actually courtesy of JJ Bull, who many of you will know from TIFO, the YouTube account. Um, this was like a screenshot that he used to describe our patterns, patterns of play against West Ham, as you can see, not Burnley. But the observation here was that Trossard and Havertz, they rotate. As so many of you have said in the chat, and I think Aaron caught my attention with that, Havertz and Trossard rotation is unreal. And the point here is that our fullbacks are playing quite wide. Saka and Martinelli, obviously the wide men. Uh, Rice is sort of that anchor. And then Erdegaard tucks in and Trossard and Havertz, they basically rotate and they have this fluid sort of interchange of like, you know, one goes up top, sometimes they're alongside each other. Other times, you know, Havertz drops deep and Tr Trossard stays top. Like this unpredictability, this fluidity, as lots of people are calling it, is a real... It's something that I've not seen Arteta do before because when it's Jesus, when it's Inketia, they're always the main man up top. Jesus does wonder. But these two in particular, I just wonder if we're beginning to see the start of, I mean, I've called it a dynamic duo, but like genuinely, like it's, it's something that I, I didn't anticipate that I would see, Laura. I mean, their movement is great, caused West Ham all sorts of problems. We know that Kai Havertz loves to play in between the lines and he, he finds himself in, in himself in like pockets of spaces and makes intelligent runs. Trossard just doesn't stand still. And his ball control and being able to play football with both feet equally is just, you know, it's such a great strength to have. Like, it's confusing defenders and it draws defenders out and it creates spaces for the wide men to run in and sometimes, you know, the fullbacks. What are your thoughts? Uh, is this the way that Arteta is going to play for the rest of the season? Yeah, I was going to say, actually, how, how difficult this is to defend against, because ultimately one of them is distracting um, one of the defenders, the other one sort of run, sort of basically running into the space, um, and they're doing it with such fluidity you, you almost don't notice it. So having it actually pointed out in this in this diagram is is amazing actually to see basically how how kind of interchangeable they are in in their positions. I quite like it. 
Um, I don't know how that's going to, obviously we've seen it against West Ham, Burnley, two games where we should have won. We weren't maybe expecting a huge amount of kind of resistance from, from these teams, but I think there's something in it. And I definitely would agree that there is perhaps a discussion to be had about when Jesus is fit again, whether yeah. he does get his place back, because ultimately these two are effective. I think it also allows Odegaard to do what he does best, which is essentially be the puppet master. Because when, but while those two are essentially confusing the space, Odegaard can basically pick the pass. Um, and so I like it. You know, may may it long continue. Um, I just worry about when we come up to maybe slightly better defence. People are more used to it. I think it's got a bit of a shock factor at the moment, a bit of a surprise that teams don't quite know what to do. Um, but ultimately, if it's working, let's just crack on and then let's have that conversation as to where. Jesus fits in when he comes back because I think for me Trossard has done enough to to kind of keep keep that place and I think we should we should keep him where he is at the moment. Would you agree with that, Wayne? Because I mean, it sounds outrageous. Gabriel Jesus, we know what he can do. We know he's the main man, but the fluidity is something that I've not seen. Like like Havertz and Trossard, they just seem to have they seem to be on the same sort of wavelength. Like one moves, the other stays. The other one goes, the other one drops deep. Sometimes, you know, depending on the patterns of play or if, the, if if Ben White's sort of inverting, then they all move towards the left-hand side. And, like, it just, it's like automatisms are coming through, Wayne. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on the Jesus chat and, and these two? I think that while they're in form and while they're playing like this, you absolutely keep them playing like this. It doesn't matter whether Jesus is fit or not. But really? the one thing that I will, yeah, I, th- I think the one thing that I will say, though, is Jesus has the ability, the intelligence, and the movement and fluidity in himself. And we saw it last season. He can plug and play in this system if we want to do it with Jesus as well. If he wanted to be that Trossard and work off of Havertz, he can do it. If you switch sort of Jesus as Trossard and Trossard as Havertz, the fluidity still works there as well. So I do think he's got a huge part to play. I also think that you might see him more as Martinelli maybe cover at some point out wide or you might see him play from the right hand side he played a lot of good football for Manchester City on the right hand side so there's absolutely no reason why he can't take some minutes away from Saka not saying that Saka should be dropped but when you want to give Saka a rest or if you want to give defences something else to kind of look at that might be something that we look for look for sort of later on in the season but I still think that Gabriel Jesus has a massive part to play and I think in our bigger games I don't think we would see this level of sort of movement. I don't think we would see this level of fluidity because, look, in games in games like against West Ham, against Burnley, against Crystal Palace, things like that, you're expected to dominate the ball, you're expected to dominate possession, and we just need to convert chances and try to get as many sort of players in and around the box in order to do that. But when you come up against the likes of Manchester City, when we go sort of up against Manchester United at Old Trafford, you might just go back to that Liverpool system where you had Jorginho and Rice and then you're playing a more conventional nine in Havertz or, or Jesus. And I, I think I think the way that we're playing now is easily transferable if and when Gabriel Jesus is back. And I think he can play anywhere sort of from Trossard's position, Havertz's position or the wide ones as well. So while they're in form, you keep them as is. But no, he, don't rule him out for the sort of the rest of the season. I think it, this... Sort of fluid system, it, it would suit him to the to the T as well. Aaron Bangle's comment has really sort of summed it up. <clears throat> Sorry, Wayne, just to cover you temporarily. He says, this is all part of making us unpredictable. We've got so many options now with our forwards. Target man versus false nine. 
The left eight is unpredictable as well. Who's going to play in that position? Traditional versus inverted fullback. So we know that Zinchenko's been doing that. Ben White's done that in a couple of games. Yuri and Timber's obviously going to come in and do that. Kivior did try it at Fulham. That was a catastrophe, but let's not talk too much about that. The single versus double pivot in midfield. I'd hate to be scouting us. Yeah, look, I mean... Uh, you're right. I think I think it was you, Wayne, who mentioned it about you know football's evolving and it evolves within the season now. Like we've got to, we've got to be unpredictable. Maybe when it comes to the big games, you know, there there, there will be a best eleven, a best sort of uh, formation. But for now, um, the fluidity in this team, fluidity is such a great word. That's that's what I'm really liking. Um, if we move on, one of the key things that I did want to talk about was the XG madness that Arsenal seem to be doing. These graphics, courtesy of Now Underscore Arsenal, on the left hand side. We have conceded the least XG this season. And by some distance, look at that. Arsenal have conceded 18.3 XG. Manchester City in second with 23.7. Liverpool for you know top of the league, and they are smashing it because they've got potent centre forwards and you know so many goal scorers in that team. 31.3, almost double the XG conceded of Arsenal, which is phenomenal, and Everton, weirdly, in fourth. Um, and then when you look at the opposite end of the scale, Laura, we are now, you know, remember everyone talked about, like, you know, Arsenal haven't got a talismanic centre-forward, they haven't got the 25, 30 goal, a, a, you know, a goal a season getter. But all of a sudden, since this this break, our XG in all of the games has been really, really strong, and we are beginning to score. Um, I don't really sort of want your analysis, but, like, because we've, we've talked about playing style and what we've been doing over the last few games. But, like, what do you think's changed since Dubai? Like, was it just as simple as saying we need, we just, we needed a rest? Like, because these guys have come back and we, we seem to have sort of exploded into form. Uh, do you know, I'm, I'm scratching my head a bit because I've been to Dubai. It's nice. <laughs> it's, it's nice. There's sea, there's a big mall, there's stuff to do. But I'm just like, what are they, what? What did they do in Dubai? I, what I actually think, though, is there is an element of luck in football. And I genuinely believe that we were just getting unlucky and that this is what should have been happening pre-Christmas, but it just wasn't because of luck. I don't fundamentally see a huge difference in our setup and things. It's just we're finishing these chances. And I know that's overly simplistic, but that's honestly how I see it. I think it is a it's just started going our way. Um, and, you know, you, you can see, flip it on its head, you know, that goal that Trossard scores against Liverpool where it goes underneath Alisson, that could have not gone in. You know, and, and I know we're sort of getting into the kind of hypotheticals here, but for me, they needed a rest. Um, but they've actually, this is just a continuation and an improvement of how they were playing before Christmas. I don't think it's radically different. They've just become more clinical, slightly tighter at the back in terms of not conceding nonsense set pieces and they're putting their shots away um and for me, for me that that's it really they maybe just needed a rest a bit of sun um and yeah i i completely agree um with kenny there i think we all need to go to dubai um group trip we'll go we'll come back better people better humans and just we'll be rejuvenated basically it's mad, isn't it? And Emirates, you're missing a trick here. There's definitely some sort of marketing campaign you could be doing here. Uh, it should be like, the, uh... you know, how, um, you know, when you go to Turkey, you get your teeth and you get your, your hair transplant. Emirates should be doing like oh. a, there wasn't, it wasn't a dig, but you know, you know, Emirates should, should have a little package where you, you know, you go and you rejuvenate and you just come back better. I would, I would pay, I would pay so much money for that. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Late Bloomer Story says Nico Yova is our 20 man, a, a season striker. I love that. Nico Yova, of course, our set piece coach. Wayne, anything else you want to add to the XG madness? Because, I mean, we were good last season. We were so good last season. But we are, it seems, even better this season. Like we've scored more goals, we've conceded fewer goals, we have the best goal difference in the league. We have the best goal difference in the league without without a number nine who's going to get 2025 20, goal. I mean, that's just mad. And we've pretty much done a lot of that, what, in the last five games? Yeah. It, we, yeah. We've, over, we've overturned. In the last five league games. So 5 0 against know? Crystal Palace, uh, 5 0 against Burnley, 6 0 West Ham, 2 1 Forest, 3 1 Liverpool. Phenomenal. Sorry, Wayne. Do you know what? Confidence is a hell of a drug. Confidence is a hell of a drug. It doesn't matter what walk of life, what sort of, what you're doing education-wise, what you're doing sort of work-wise. If you're feeling confident when you step out on the pitch as a football player and you kind of know what you're going to do and how it's going to go because of sort of the meticulous nature that Mikel Arteta takes sort of every training session and every game and you know the way that you're playing, it, it doesn't matter who you're coming up against. You're just, you're going to be that confident regardless. And I think, I think for me... The attacking side of it has been fantastic, but defensively, we've been this way all season. That XG conceded is not a surprise to me. I've said on our Latte Firm sort of Twitter spaces, we've got the best defence in Europe. I stand by it. I've stood by it all season. When we're not throwing the ball in our own net, we we have the best defence in Europe with Saliba, Gabriel, Ben White and Declan Rice. That's just the core. It doesn't really matter who you plug and play at left back and whether you put Jorginho in there and the work rate of Erdegaard especially. I just think that defensively we're superb when we're on it. And we don't need to be on it often because we have the ball a lot of the time. We dominate opponents a lot of the time. But when we cut out our silly mistakes and when we cut out things like just falling asleep or or allowing a ball to bounce or or a set piece where we're not fully switched on, we've seen just how near impossible we are to break down. Like the, We've only conceded, what, two shots, forget goals, two shots on target in the past three matches or four matches. That's mental. Absolutely well, I, I, mental. Let, let, me, let me see you and raise you with that. So XG Philosophy, who so many people will know on X, they extrapolated that and they basically said that Arsenal are conceding XG at the rate of conceding one goal every 10 games. Like, do you know it's how? Crazy. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Like, we are going to concede more because, like Laura said earlier, like, there's, a, there's an element. There's an, yeah, there's an element of fortune in games, right? Sometimes the ricochets don't go your way. The the the, 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 the sort of rubber the green, the, the bounce of the ball, whatever cliches you want to kind of use. But like, sometimes it's not going to happen. But we are so dominant. We are so in control. We are keeping that back door shut. Like nothing is getting past. It's and you know, to to an extent, Jakub Kivior coming in at left back. Like, Zinchenko's great going forward. We know that. And defensively, he's not the best. But Jakub Kivio is just such a solid, orthodox, sort of looking left back that nothing's getting past him. And Ben White, he's got the ability to, to invert on the right-hand side. And it's kind of freeing up Erdegaard and Saka to do what they do even better. And let's just end this bit of the conversation before we focus on sort of looking ahead to the Champions League and looking ahead to the Premier League table. Um, Odegaard, the skipper signed his contract midway through the sort of first half of the season. 
there was a fade uh, in form three, four weeks. People were wondering, you know, have we gone too early? Have we given him the contract? Is he the right captain? Of course, he was nursing uh, an injury, but the man is unbelievable. And, you know, Wayne, you, you, I mentioned to you uh, to you guys in the chat that we have on X, the group chat, I've watched the Liverpool rerun like four or five times. And there was one rerun that I watched just Martin Erdegaard. And the guy's performances are blowing my mind. Um, stick with you, Wayne, first, and then Laurie could end the conversation with your thoughts on the skipper. What influence is this guy having on this team, Wayne? Yeah, I think we've been we've said on on late night lattes on on X on the spaces that Martin Odegaard is one of those players that if you're able to watch him on TV, you think that you think that he's a fantastic player. You think that he's he's had a good game. You think that he's contributing things. When you get to see him live in person he's just special and he absolutely stands out and he's doing that now in all facets of the game and i think that Mikel Arteta deserves a lot of credit for the way that that Martin Odegaard is playing at the moment simply because of a few little tactical tweaks just to get him involved in build up a little bit more stop having him just kind of hanging around outside the box and and waiting to finish chances He's involved in build-up. He's helping Declan Rice sort of deeper. He's floating all over the pitch. He's getting involved with everything. And it just brings out all of the positive sides of Martin Odegaard's game. And while he's playing like this, he doesn't need goals or assists to be mad at a match. And we've seen that in regular time sort of during this season. I think it was, was it the Liverpool game? He had a really good game and he didn't necessarily... He didn't necessarily do anything in terms of goals or assists, but he dictated everything that we've done. And it's not mm-hmm. the first time, and it won't be the last time. And he's been putting sort of chances on a plate for his teammates throughout this season, especially since he came back from injury. But he can be man of the match without a goal or assist, and that's a huge credit to his ability. And just he, as captain, is the reflection of Mikel Arteta. He, there's a reason why he's captain. He does everything sort of instruction-wise. He does everything from the press he he's the highest person he's the most vocal when it comes to geeing up his teammates to geeing up the crowd he's just playing out of his mind right now and it's not the first time either we've seen this level of ability from him sort of last season and when he when he first came in on loan that sort of there was a period in that six month loan where he was playing like this consistently and you just saw how special he can be and now he's doing it week in week out and it's phenomenal Christopher Beale says Odegaard is a pressing machine and that's the stuff is it is off the ball stuff that's so insane like everything you said Wayne is absolutely right the influence he's having he dictates art he's a conductor right he's orchestrating everything on the pitch but he's also such an enormous trigger in terms of our press and work rate and then not not to forget the connected the connection he has with the fans like he always finds the three or four moments in a game for those of you that go to the Emirates lucky enough to go to the Emirates and we always notice it right Wayne he always has that moment, like three or four moments in the game where he does that thing to the crowd. And he always knows exactly when to do it. Like, you know, obviously he doesn't just go around playing football for 90 minutes doing that to everyone. But like, he always finds three or four pockets. And it's like he's reading the game as a fan as well. Like, he's he's phenomenal. I mean, Laura, I guess all that's left in terms of this, you know, eulogization, if that's a word, is for you to sing out your new chant, by the way, uh, which we need to <laughs> ask you about. <laughs> Lots of people saw that on on X. You're not getting away with it. In fact, Andy Normal says, "Would love to hear Laura's new Erdegaard song." Uh, um, Harry saying, "Sing the Erdy song, Laura. It's what we need." Uh, I can't guarantee how Laura's going to react to that, but uh, and four three three is also in there. Laura, oh, can join in with her Erdegaard song. I mean, look, 
your thoughts on the skipper and if you want to give us a rendition of your usher uh song go for it i mean too bad i don't have anything more to add i think i think wayne's just summed it up there the one thing i would say is that i i still think other teams underestimate him and i still think there is this this slight kind of he's just not quite getting the credit he deserves in the press because he's not kevin de bruyne and I'm fine with that. The more he goes undetected as like the everything goes through Odegaard in our play. He he is the he's the one. Um, so you know, if people are gonna continue to kind of ignore that, if I'm if I'm watching Arsenal as a in any of these teams that we're about to play, all I'm thinking is how do I stop Odegaard? But I just don't think teams are doing that. Either they they don't know or they just simply can't. Um he is he is just captain fantastic. And he's one of those captains as well that just leads in so many different ways I think that you know that the best thing that a captain can do is lead by example you know he's not necessarily the kind of Vieira Roy Keane captain but he he you just want to play with him I can I can imagine how inspirational he would be in training um and I also notice him when he's doing the kind of you know trying to trying to get the crowd going and yeah he, he gets it at the right time because it's always in that moment where the crowd's just getting a little bit of nervousness and it's just a kind of like just to kind of bring everyone all together again. He just, he knows it. Um, I'm not going to sing my chant for you because it's 10.30 at night. Nobody needs to hear me singing, sing. please. But I will record, of, I'm going to have to sing it, aren't I? Does the, chat want, does the chat want me to sing it? I think the chat wants you to oh, sing dear. it. Okay. See, this, this is the problem when you tweet things um, without thinking of the consequences of it. Um, so hang on, let me just make sure I get the words correct because obviously I want to do justice to my to my <laughs> chant. All right, is everyone is everyone ready? So take yeah, notes ready. down because I want to hear this at Porto. I want to hear it at, at the Emirates. <clears throat> All right, here we, here we go. Oh dear. Right to the tune of Usher. Uh, oh my God. Here we go. Martin, let me love you, Dad. Oh no, I've done it wrong. I've done it wrong. Hang on, I've done it wrong. Oh gosh, okay. let, me, let me restart. Go for it. Take your time. <laughs> Compose yourself like mine. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. Martin, let me love you down. There's so many ways to love you. Martin, I can break you down. There's so many ways to love you. Got me like, oh dear God, I'm so in love. I found you finally. You make me want to say, oh. Oh, 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 dear God. Laura, it's a no from me. Yeah, listen, listen, it's great, it's great, it's great. Listen, I love it. I love it. Listen, I rate you and I respect you for doing that live, live on Latte Fair. I don't, I don't think that's that we come for. Don't think it's going to catch on, but um, like, I did my best. We can find you in it. I love that you did it, um, uh, Matthew. That is absolutely not going to happen. I don't even know the words, mate. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, listen, uh, <laughs> I love it. O'Malley in the house, uh, this this gracious, he said it's gracious. Big up, Laura. Love it, says Sia. Thank you. Uh, listen. Let's let's get it rolling. <laughs> Respect, Kirky uh, says four three three. Right, just before we uh, sort of end the show on talking, uh, looking ahead to Porto, looking at the league table, we are setting records. This is a great start to the calendar year. It's actually the first time in Arsenal's history that we've had five wins on the bounce in the league in a new year. The fixtures are coming thick and fast. Although we do have a nice nine day break after Newcastle, so potentially another trip to uh, to Dubai on the cards. <laughs> I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing for the club, but. 
it's Porto. It's, it, putting the Champions League fixtures to a side, we've got Newcastle at home, which is a very, very spicy affair. I think there's we owe them a whooping, and that is going to take place this Saturday, 8 p.m. Uh, Sheffield United away, Monday Night Football on 4th of March. They are in all sorts of trouble. Uh, got beat today at home to Brighton. Uh, and then we played Brentford at home. Ivan Tony, I think the dream uh, team news and ticks announced today that maybe Tony is not the one for us this summer. Maybe the dream of him coming is over. Then it's a London derby against Chelsea. And then it's the massive one at the Etihad Wayne against Manchester City. Um, I guess it's just, I know it's like sort of take one game at a time, Wayne, but it's really important that we win the next four before we go to the Etihad, right? That was a lot of the talk on the way back yesterday on the post-match phone-in. We need to give ourselves maximum points so that, because we know what Man City are going to do. We know that Liverpool are, are an awesome team. Is it as simple as saying that, Wayne? Do we have to win the next four to have any chance of winning the league or going to the Etihad and, and then getting a result? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But we've got to navigate the Champions League alongside that as well. And obviously, we've got a big game this midweek. I think this run of fixtures has obviously come after the winter break, but it's come at a time where we're only been we've only been playing once a week, and we've not had to go through sort of players going down through injuries or fatigue with midweek games or anything like that. And the travel of I know West Ham is in London, but West Ham was an away game. We travelled then away to Burnley. We now travel away to Porto. Three consecutive away games. It's not easy for anyone, but if you want to do serious things at the serious end of the season, we've got to go to Porto, do a professional job, hopefully come back with the win, make sure we don't lose as a bare minimum, and then we head on to Newcastle, which is going to be a really, really tough game. And then you've got to think about, right, Sheffield United, they're still fighting for their life. I expect us to go there and and put in a very good performance of win, but you can't you can't look beyond games. You can't start thinking about, well, we have to win all four before Manchester City because then that's where you slip up. That's where you, that's where you trip up. We were starting to think too big last season and then we slipped up at Anfield. We then started to get ahead of ourselves again just to slip up against West Ham sort of the week after. We've just got to go game by game. And I think that Mikel Arteta, especially, and the club have learned that this year. They're doing things that if we had done them last season, we probably would have won the title. Little tactical tweaks, for example. We've seen Ben White invert recently in the last sort of two, three games. Kivior, he didn't come in until things were too late last season. He probably should have been playing way before Rob Holden at the business end of last season. And we may have stood a better chance of winning the Premier League when Saliba went down. Mikel Arteta has adjusted with things like substitutions and players' minutes. Last season, he was playing Saka 90 minutes week in, week out, whether we were 4-0 up or 4-0 down. Now, we're going 3-4-0 up and Saka's coming off after 59 minutes. When was the last time Saka and someone as good as Declan Rice have come off on back-to-back games in, at the 60-minute mark? To be able to do that at this stage of the season is crucial because of how many minutes they've logged up until now. So, yeah, we've got to go into the Porto game, manage that correctly, come away with no injuries, and it's just got to be step-by-step, game-by-game. Laura, uh, KW3 Stone says, one game at a time, the rest will take care of itself. And to Wayne's point, yeah, let's not look too far ahead. We tried to do that last season. Um, not really the best. We are, of course, out of the FA Cup. Uh, Andy coming in saying, tactical decisions to drop out of the FA Cup was a masterstroke. Could make the difference. Um, let me ask you a different question, Laura. Forgetting the Etihad game for a second, just those four games, Newcastle home, Sheffield United away, Brentford home, Chelsea at home. How many points are we getting out of 12? 
All of them. Yes. I, <laughs> I love I, it. And I, and I say that with... We have to. I think we have to. One, we have to. Um, I actually watched Sheffield United today um, get absolutely spanked by Brighton because I had nothing else to do and they were dreadful. So that's that for me is, is a is a definite win. Um Chelsea Chelsea have looked better. I think that one is one I think we need to be careful about because they put in a good performance against Man City. Um the City night, were wasteful think, though, weren't they? I mean City, Erling City were that I think that was the equivalent. Everybody triple captained as well on the old FPL. I uh, know and Harlem was like, yeah, not not doing that. Sorry guys. Um I think that was the equivalent of City, sorry, that was the equivalent of our kind of West Ham game. City should have won that game by miles. Um that they they were wasteful. Um but, you know, Ch- Chelsea might sort of have a little run here. But for me, the big one is the Newcastle game. Um, there's clearly there's bad blood between the clubs now because of what happened last time. They also came to the Emirates uh, this time last year, I think, and just stank the place out with their boring, boring play, negative football, wasting time, etc. So I really do feel like we owe them there something. But for me, looking at that, there's, there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be getting full points. What a comment, FK. Before we say, uh, I, one thing I did notice in did notice in the chat, someone did rightly say that Chelsea might actually be postponed because if yeah, they how does win, this in, work? Yeah, if so they win in the FA scenario? Cup, if right. they win in the FA Cup, I'm pretty sure that that's an FA Cup scheduled weekend. So our game will be moved if they go through. Is it the quarterfinals? I think it is. So yeah, we kind of want them to get knocked out so it doesn't mess us up this much. But look, I think we were having a discussion. Yeah, I think we were looking. Um, I think we were having the discussion in our group chat a little bit earlier. A few of our, our friends in our group chat, and they said that looking at the fixtures as is, there's a possibility that if it if it does get postponed, it probably will be postponed until sort of the week between the second to last game and the last game of the season. So yeah, that might be a little bit uh, a little bit of something to look look at. Well. I do agree with Laura on one count in that I think Laura, I think Chelsea are beginning to get better. Like the metrics have actually been surprisingly good throughout the season, but they're just not being clinical in front of goal. Um, and I think that Pochettino is maybe beginning to get a tune out of them. And you know, the the, the you can't underappreciate underestimate the the impact that the point that the FA had does for your confidence and your, and your morale. So maybe maybe saving them till later in the season is a blessing. But who knows? Final point on this before we look ahead to Champions League: Liverpool in the Carabao uh, final next weekend means we can go above them if we win at home to Newcastle. How important do you think the points on the board versus the game in hand will be? I mean, my answer to that's very straightforward. I think there was an added element of pressure after watching Liverpool dismantle Brentford. And then, of course, Arsenal went and went, you know, won that so handsomely at Burnley. And then the pressure's all of a sudden on City. Now, we know the City is so experienced and they don't normally they don't normally sort of, you know, cave under that sort of stuff. But I do think there's an element of that in people's minds. So maybe, you know, we beat Newcastle. If we can beat Newcastle handsomely, go above Liverpool and then Liverpool... But mind you, Liverpool play Luton, don't they, this week? So Yeah, they're playing uh, at the same time we're up against Porto, which is annoying. Right. Okay. So look, there's going to be twists and turns and ups and downs and, you know, one team overtaking the other. I'd, I'd rather have just points on the board. Like I don't really care when mm. the games are. I just want to win the points. But I do think at some point, maybe towards the end of the season, you know, sort of April, May time, uh, squeaky bum time, as Sir Alex Ferguson used to say. That's when it's okay, going to come can I, Matthew can I say one thing? Corner. Of course. Can I say one thing? Now, I, you know how I feel about this, but I just want to point something out. These past two performances have been phenomenal and we have been wearing the fluoro kit. 
I fundamentally believe that this is the kit that's going to see us win the title. And I don't care what anyone thinks. It is a great kit. We look amazing in it. We play amazing in it. I just, I just, I just, I wanted, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Just saying. You're just just saying. saying. Yeah, it's it's an elite kit. Um, My son has it. I uh, look abysmal in it. Um, but I'm going to wear it to Old Trafford, I think. I think that's exactly. that's what's going to happen. Not, it's not about, it's not about look. It's not about look. It's how it makes you feel. This is a, this is a kid I mean, of I champions. Feel, I, feel, I feel fabulous when I wear that shirt. <laughs> uh, right, let's move on to the final sort of segment of tonight's show before we look at, of course, the league table with the jingle. Yes, yes, I know. Uh, the Champions League is back and it's Porto away, Wayne, this Wednesday night. Uh, that was the starting lineup uh, on uh, yes yesterday. Gosh, it feels like so. I uh, just I'm tired. That was the starting lineup against Burnley. What are you doing, Wayne? And to you, uh, Laura, in terms of the lineup, what are you doing to change anything, if anything? Um, I'd probably look to see Tom Yasu come back in if he's okay to go. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we maybe have been holding him back just to be sort of ready for games like this and just being very precautionary. Nothing against Kivior's performances, but I just think that Tomiyasu is the better player right now. Um, and I'd be happy with Kivior coming back in against Newcastle. I really, really would. I think that that kind of game really suits him. But a tough away game in Europe. And look, Porto was a favourable draw for us. I think given we could have got PSG, or we could have got an, another sort of couple of tough tough draws. I think that Porto is a favourable one, but you still want to make sure you go out and do a professional job. So... Tomiyasu would come back in for me. And then I also think that um, Jorginho comes in as well. A tough away game in Europe. Dictate the tempo. Play like he did against Liverpool. I think that that's the type of game that we've brought him in for. So those would probably be my two changes. I don't know who, I don't know who I'd play though uh, out of Havertz and Trossard. I think you probably keep Trossard in because he's a little bit more of a goal threat. And you probably drop Havertz to the bench. Um, and then you go with that front three of Saka, Trossard and Martinelli and then maybe keep Jesus in reserve. Hopefully he's back on the bench because he's got a great Champions League record as well. So he can always, always make a difference. What's your score prediction, Wayne? I, I think it will be 2-1 to Arsenal. But I, I do think that they will frustrate us. I think they've got the likes of Pepe, who has been there, done that multiple times in in every sort of European competition that he's been in. Um, at centre-back, he's probably going to try kick us sort of dark arts wise and and their crowd are going to get on our back and it's going to be a really hostile atmosphere these guys haven't experienced it we've been to the europa league and we went away to sporting and it didn't come didn't sort of come out in our favor porto i don't i think this season sporting are having a better year than them i'm not sort of too clued up on how porto are doing in their league i know they're not top of it but they've managed to qualify from from the champions league group and we need to take them seriously. So yeah, we need to. We're at this point in the Champions League because we've not been there for seven years. A lot of these players haven't been at the knock in the knockout stages of the Champions League. Havertz, Jorginho, they kind of have Zinchenko and, and Jesus if they're fit. I think that we're kind of learning on the job. So we've just got to go there, professional performance, and come away with a two-one win. Yeah, in the chat, people are saying Porto a third. There was a comment that caught my eye, and I think it was from Matthew who said. Porto have got the tightest, sorry, no, 4-3-3. Porto has got the best defence in Europe. And to your point, Wayne, we did get come unstuck against Sporting. And I think this is probably the one thing that Mikel needs to prove himself, I think. You know, his, his track record in European football could have 
and should have been better in the years that he's been at this club. So Porto is going to be a tough game. We'll be back on Tuesday night with a with a proper sort of preview. But you're going two one. Laura, any changes to the starting lineup for you uh, ahead of the trip to Portugal? And what do you think the score is going to be? I absolutely agree on the Jorginho thing. I think he this sort of stability he gives us. He's also experienced in this competition, as as someone just said. He you know he has been here before. Um, I think for some of them, it, this that actually might work in their favour. Um, I think when t- you know when when they're going into something new, they could, they are sort of free to just play as they have done previously because they don't know any different. Um, so I think it can work both ways in terms of um, you know coming into this Champions League game with a squad that's you know not experienced at all. But I think Jorginho just gives that little bit of security. Um, School wise, yeah, a two one or one all. Um, I don't think we're going to get beaten, um, but I think it's going to be a lot more frustrating, particularly as you know the last two games we have just been, you know, there's there's just been so many goals, and I think if we get to you know half time and haven't scored and it's frustrating, the team are going to have to sort of remember remember what that feels like. Um, so you know, it's, it's just going to be it's just going to be a different experience to what they've we've kind of been doing the past month. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they react to that. Guna says Porto are in a bad way at the moment. They're a distant third, but a tough game at the Estadio Dragao on a Champions League night is some sort of atmosphere. I, I think we're going to be comfortable. Uh, I think we're going to go there and we're going to play really well. And I think we'll win 2-0, 3-1 maybe. Uh, I can see us scoring goals, even though they've got the tight defence. I get all of that, but we are so fluid, so good. We are so, so good right now. Um, I can feel it. I can feel it. Just a couple of star chats before we look at the league table. Wally in the chat. Evening all. Hope you've recovered, brother. Uh, it says, given the performances Havertz is putting up in that terrible awake, it should we persist with this shirt next season? Listen, yes. if we win the league title, Wally, <laughs> it's a it's a yes from our <laughs> new head of shirts at Arsenal Football Club, Laura Kirk. Um, but I think yeah, if we win the league, or we should play with play with this shirt for the next five years. Uh, Colleen Wilson says, Colleen from Columbia, how are you? Says, FK, did I hear you just say you're going to Old Trafford? Please, hashtag curse. My my curse, my jinx is well and truly over. Let Wally, let Wally remind you that my away record this season is impeccable. We went and secured the biggest away, rec- away win that we've ever had in Premier League history, and I was in the ground. I was there, and we will be there at Old Trafford. If Tommy is available, she says, bring him back in. It would be harsh on trust, but if Jesus is fit, I'd be thinking to bring in, in as well he loves the champions league goal he does indeed look we are going to leave it there for tonight we'll be back on tuesday of course with a a chilled sesh even though this turned into one an hour and 13 my apologies for going over time thanks to everybody in the chat for for all the comments there are just shy of 500 of you watching live right now on youtube alone which is amazing and loads of you watching on x so please do follow latte firm please do subscribe of course kenny afc was saying earlier oh my word i don't get the notification from latte firms well press the little bell thing and subscribe and get your notifications set up because you can be alerted to every time we go live um all that is left for me to do is to uh share the league table so let's bring this up and uh, as normal (laughs) i love it i love it so much right let me share the screen so Hopefully, you guys can now see on screen, courtesy of PremierLeague.com, Liverpool are top of the Premier League after their win at the weekend away at Brentford, an emphatic 4-1 win. Arsenal then went and saw them and raised them with a 5-0 win away at at Burnley. That now gives us the best goal difference in the Premier League, although Liverpool have scored a goal more than us. We are two points behind. Manchester City dropping points at home to Chelsea with that 1-1 draw. They have a game in hand and they are just two points behind us. Unai Amory's Aston Villa have climbed up into fourth place. Uh, Big Ange 
has lost at home to Wolves with Spurs. They are now in 47, uh, 47 points now in fifth place. And United, how abysmal Manchester United have been all season, are just three points behind. Here's a question for you, Arsenal fans. Who would you prefer to get into the Champions League? The scum or that lot up at Old Trafford? Who knows? Brighton, after their win away at Sheffield United, are now back in seventh place. Newcastle, who come to the Emirates at the weekend, are in eighth. And then West Ham, sinking fast. David Moyes out, the West Ham fans say. And Chelsea, with that point, holding up the top half of the Premier League. As we scroll down to the bottom, Sheffield United firmly rooted there. Burnley, after getting battered by Arsenal, are in 19th. No Vincent Company on the touchline for them, of course, at the weekend. And Everton, who will be finding out to their are in 18th with Luton just, just uh, basically uh, keeping afloat ahead of the relegation zone. But that is how the Premier League table looks. Question to you both, Manchester United or Spurs for the Champions League? Laura, you first. If you had to pick one of the two, who would you rather see in the Champions League? It's like you're asking me how how I'd rather die. Um, (laughs) Probably Manchester United. Uh, But they're so bad. No, I can't ask this. I can't. I just can't do it. I, Manchester United. Wayne, who would you rather see in the Champions League if you had to pick one of those two? Why, why is Uncle Uno not an option? Because he's not. We know how this story ends, Wayne. Please. Who's, please, who's in fourth right stop now, it. FK? Who's in fourth right now? Uh, do you know what? Actually, Uncle actually, Uno you know what? is there. Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's say Villa finished in fourth, right? But the, yeah. the fifth place is a Champions League spot. Is that right? Am, 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 am I mistaken? <laughs> Why did you have to move the goalposts, FK? No, I've so selected if, Uncle Una. <laughs> no, but they're, they're going to finish fourth. Let's just assume they do. They won't, but let's assume they do. If if the question still remains, if it was one of Spurs or United, who would you want to see in the Champions League? I'm Man United. I don't think it's a difficult choice for me, really. Uh, yeah, it's easy for I, me just, as well. No, I think it's Man United. I, I, they're, whether they're in the Champions League or not, they're going to be stupid with their money and buy a 30-year-old on 400k a week that doesn't make any sense. It does. They're not going to be a threat for a while. I don't <laughs> think Spurs are going to be a threat for a while either, but at least they're at least their fans are a, a little bit less annoying than, than Man United in person anyway. Do you know what? The chat is split. There's lots of shouts for Spurs, lots yeah, of shouts for United. I, I don't think I'm it's surprised. That, uh, yeah. I, okay. Okay. Um, well, look, what's happened? What's happened to your fantasy league? Oh man! Thank you for reminding me. Let, let, let's bring that up on the on the Tuesday sesh because uh, I've not Go brought that it. up for weeks. The the the, the per- first person who won the prize after the sort of quarterway mark of the season. We're now well over halfway. So yeah, another prize is due. Let's sort that out. Right. We're going to leave it there. I promise you. Um, Thank you very much for tuning in. There are still, like I say, just shy 500 of you watching right now on YouTube. Please like the video. Massive, massive help to the channel. Uh, Subscribe if you're new. Get involved in the chat. We'll be back on Tuesday night with a pre-match chill sesh ahead of Porto. The post-match phone-in straight after the game on the whistle on X, if if those of you that are on X. And then we'll have a look ahead to Newcastle with my good friend Kendall uh, and a look back at Porto. So much content to come. What's not to love? Anybody wants to follow Laura on X and, um, you know, let's 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 make that chant work. She is available at Laura Kirk 12. Laura, good luck with the washing machine. Let me know if um, people are going to think I'm horribly sexist at that. But there is a story <laughs> behind that. There Clip is a that. story behind Clip that. Yeah. That. There is a story behind that. And uh, Wayne, who's got his head in his hands, is also available at Wayne's World 20 underscore. If anybody wants to chuck him some abuse, because that'd be nice for a change. Uh, Let's do that. I'm going to leave it there before I dig myself an even bigger hole. Look after yourselves. Enjoy the week. Sleep well tonight. Stay warm. Stay healthy. See you soon. Bye for now.